Welcome back to Book Talks Podcast. This is Kayla. And Marissa. And this week we did Girl Forgotten by Karen Slaughter, Marissa's favorite author. Favorite author of all time. I love the mind of Karen Slaughter. She's so disturbing. And now you can know what I'm talking about when I rave about her. So did you read the first book with Andrea in it? Yeah. Um, so it's Pieces of Her, which before we did this one, I looked up whether this was considered a standalone or could be read separately and it said you could definitely read this by itself but once I was in this book I feel like a lot of the background information I had really helped me understand what was going on so I don't know if you felt confused at any points but there's a lot of background that you miss out on if you don't read pieces of her I understood the general plot of like what like this objective of her mission was and like who the bad guys were in this book but I guess the context of like her mother mm-hmm. and her uncle and that relationship and with Clay I didn't know but I feel like mm-hmm. I knew I still knew Clay for who he was within his high school years mm-hmm. yeah no the first book focuses on kind of discovering the past of her mom and father which in that book her father's referred to as Nick but he's changed his name so his real name's Clayton Morrow so you knew him as Clayton but so like the first book you basically discover that the mom and dad were in like this terrorist cult thing uh like where they were gonna change the world and blow people up or something like it was really bizarre but then the mom went into witness protection and so um anyway you miss like that background you miss the relationship with the mom the uncle's really not that important like I think he's weird and I think she's going to turn this into a series and he'll have a bigger role in the future but he's not that important you didn't miss anything on the uncle her relationship with Mike was that discussed more in the last book it was like hinted at I think I'm not sure they were officially together but there was chemistry between them in the last book I mean I'm glad that she somehow looped love in there <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. So actually my favorite relationship in the book was her partner Bible and their boss because that was his wife. Those lines were hysterical to me. I just loved when he would interchange like, well, my wife. (laughs) And he would like kind of refer to her in the same sentence, but like as different roles. Yeah, I liked him. (laughs) He was my favorite person of the whole book. Yeah, I he was new in this book. Obviously, he uh, well, maybe not obviously, but I loved him and Andrea's relationship because again you didn't read the first book then the first book Andrea was very like pathetic um she didn't do anything like her mom was the badass and she was kind of just really stupid and made all the wrong choices and so I was like oh I hope I hope she redeems herself and then in this book she I think she did redeem herself she was a lot more badass her and Bible had a really good relationship and she was very clever about like interviewing people and stuff so anyway I liked her well I feel like that was a kind of the plot of like part of the book is that Andrea becoming more of herself and more independent and like fighting for her own battles I feel like that was a big thing and like Mike's like you can ask for help still like it doesn't mean you're you're that person anymore I kind of I liked my one of my favorite parts is when she called her mom uh at the end it was just like kind of well, first talk to mom, be just to hear her voice, but then she called her at the restaurant and like asked for help. I feel like it was mm-hmm. like get Mike, like she'd handle it on her own, like she didn't launch herself off the cliff, as her mom liked to say. 
she asked for help. So I like that part. I guess we already gave things away, but spoiler warning, we're ruining the whole book. (laughs) Ruining the whole damn thing. And the first one too, because things that came out in this book will spoil the last book as well. Yeah, I was wondering what story that told. So I guess the last book is a cult book as well. It's not quite a cult. So it flashes between present and past. And that book, I called it like a weird terrorist group cult because it's like a group of young people who want to change the world and they're super rebellious and they want to take down the man. But it's not like creepy cult. It's just like a group of young people who get up to no good to try and change the world. Like this was a creepy cult. Yeah, which came out of nowhere. (laughs) Whoever watched our episode, I don't even remember the book's name, but... An um, Honest Lie by Taryn Fisher. Whoever read, watched, watched, listened to that episode knows how much I hate cult books. And I hate cult books who give me no warning they're cult books. Like, I can't even <laughs> mentally prepare myself. And I read the synopsis, whatever. I get into it. Some girl died. We're trying to figure out who killed her. We get into a cult book and I don't want to read them. <laughs> yeah. What was funny to me was when they first go to that hippy dippy farm or whatever it was called and they discover all the girls I thought sex trafficking ring and and then it was either bible or Andrea they were like oh well obviously it's a cult and I was like wait my mind was just thinking like one direction and you just took it a completely different direction I thought sex trafficking too, but then I also felt like the cops were so intertwined, like knew about it that like they couldn't just get away with sex trafficking. Yeah. That obviously. No, whenever they like got rescued, like they didn't want to leave. Oh gosh. Okay. So just to back up a little, we know within the first chapter that Emily's dead. So there's no hope of saving Emily. The only thing is like solving that murder. So my hope throughout this book, like the thing that keeps me reading and gives me hope is I wanted Star to be saved. I wanted Star to go home to her mom, especially when she wrote Help in the Flower. I was like, she wants out. And the whole time I was like, just don't do anything that's going to get Star killed. You know, like when they were in the diner at the end, I was like, don't let Star die. Don't let Star die. And then it ends and it's like, okay, she's free to go. And she chooses not to leave maybe it comes back in another book maybe that's why she did it um no i it was a cult i hate cults so disappointing Um, the i guess the worst part i i hated when it flashed back because i felt so bad for emily like she just was like so kind and like everyone like was so harsh i feel like the beginning chapters of emily's point of view were so hard to read because she was like just like pregnant teen and then we like kind of get to the point where she's like prom night and then she like murdered on prom night. And we don't really know how at that point. It like jumps around a lot. But yeah, uh, I feel bad for Emily. I Yeah, I really hated that both her parents treated her kind of terribly leading up to her death. Because if nothing else, I feel like like if you're pregnant in high school and everyone's making fun of you at least hopefully you could fall back on your family and it'd be like, yeah, we're disappointed, but we're there for you. And I feel like her family just was not there for her. And that's really upsetting because those were the last months of her life. Are her books all kind of political? I feel like this book 
touch some political things with like Regan and just like the branches and she didn't get too into it but I feel like whenever her mom was mad at her because she went into uh, the marshals and she's like you joined the enemy or like something like that so it all goes to the character development like the mom is against the man so she hates the government and hates the police and all that stuff and that just goes to her character development but within like the books Karen doesn't get political she just makes her characters have really identifiable personalities um but Karen Slaughter remains like super neutral I think in her books this one was like I don't know it's like it's like a good balance because the mom you know is like "Ooh, you joined the enemy but then Andrea is a marshal so she's like pro cop or whatever so I don't know yeah you have like a little bit of both I wouldn't be like it was political like she's making a voice it was more of like the characters itself were like very much in political roles and yeah. she like talked about like history like I don't know I mean I don't actually don't know if Regan appointed a judicial judge or whatever but I have no idea. um I just wondered if all her books had like that criteria in it I feel like I wasn't saying she made a political stance she is from Atlanta so like all her books are set in the south which is fun yeah, Andrea was the southern southern gal. Yeah, um, yeah. I liked her. I yeah, did. Yeah. I didn't see her last book, so I only had good impressions of her. But I like her. I don't know how much I'm going to read more of Karen Slaughter. <laughs> Rape is hard for me to read. It just wasn't a happy book. And I get that's like what people want. It's just not what I want. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it is like kind of I mean it goes back to what my mom had said about like going to a Karen Slaughter event everyone who's there is probably messed up because like who reads this sort of stuff but I do really enjoy it because especially like with this book you already know Emily's dead and so at that point it's about getting justice for the person I think that's what people root for in thrillers is trying to get justice which I mean every time I watch Datelines or 48 hours I always walk away and I'm like there's no justice because that person's still dead so it's like it's kind of a hopeful thing but then it's also like the realization that people die every day and there is no justice in the world and the world sucks and we should all burn no but we gotta be we gotta live our life despite that <laughs> and I don't know if I can read books that are this sad no I feel like she has to get into a dark place to write these kinds of books like you told me many times when I would text you that this is like a tame version of her writing oh yeah I thought it was rough because it talked a lot about rape and uh, cults and just like these skin girls with ankle cuffs and god knows what and Emily was like basically drugged three times in one night and was raped probably several times and like it's just a lot it's like really heavy stuff and you just have to wonder what kind of mental place she has to get into write this kind of stuff yeah and like I said this one wasn't even graphic um like in her other books so like when Emily died and I think they swung a baseball bat this like literally ended with her just like going unconscious in a normal Karen Slaughter book it would describe like she felt pieces of her brain matter splatter on the floor and her skull split into like you would get very graphic descriptions so that's why I say this one was very tame also you didn't have to listen through the rape scene 
I have yeah. read some of her books where Karen Slaughter describes the rape scene. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. So like, you know, that's why I say this one was very tame in the sense that, yes, all the things you said happened, but you weren't like having to live through them. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to read another book of hers. <laughs> I love her so much. But I do like I give it was good writing. She had good characters. I was very shocked of who actually did the, the murder. I really didn't see it was Ricky like the entire time. So she did a good job keeping us guessing and like not picking the obvious person. And what? she switched past and present well. Like it didn't throw off the story. Like I think she did a good job. It's just not my type of book. Yeah. As far as like whether it was going to be Ricky or not. I think this is what Karen Slaughter does so well and which is why I keep reading. I did suspect Ricky like when they were interviewing Ricky and talking to Ricky and I was like I literally told my mom I was like it's Ricky. I know it's Ricky. It was Ricky and that was like 40 50 percent of the way of the book and then um, they switched back to like Dean Wexler and um and Nardo and everyone else and so then I was like oh maybe it's Wexler yeah it's probably Wexler oh maybe it's Cheese because like you know Cheese ended up being gay and I was like maybe he didn't want to be outed as gay or maybe his dad found out completely like I am so gullible I just let Karen Slaughter lead me down whatever path she wants to lead me down and so by the end I, I didn't Ricky wasn't even my mind Ugh. what from her interview made you think it was her I can't remember what specifically made me think it was her, but she was super suspicious. She had the shrine to like all the, all the people in the clique. And then she had that portfolio, uh, like pocket portfolio, whatever it was, a dress book that was suspicious. And um, when I forget when it came up, but like Emily was cut out of all the pictures and I was like, that's kind of psycho behavior. And then also her brother died like a week after Emily. And I was like, that to me, that made me think, and I still, that's still unresolved to me. I still think Clayton killed her brother in New Mexico, but I was thinking maybe either Clayton or Dean raped Emily and Ricky covered for them by killing her because she was just like a follower. I kind of thought her brother killed himself out of guilt, maybe. So, Okay. My mom and I were discussing this as well. She had a similar thought that maybe he knew what Ricky had done, which it turns out he did. Yeah, Yeah. he did. And so either maybe he, like you said, killed himself out of guilt or Clayton didn't want it revealed and he killed him. I don't know. I feel like that's a loose end. Clayton was weird in this book. I don't understand why she liked him so much because he was an ass. Literally the entire book. And I think that's where if you'd read pieces of her, you would understand better. He's like a manipulator. He says whatever needs to be said. Everyone, he's like a charmer. Everyone loves him, even though he's a snake. The perfect cult leader. Yeah, a perfect cult leader. Uh, I don't know why cults are so triggering for me. (laughs) I don't know why they can't just put on the back of the book like, hey, this one has a cult in it. I need a cult trigger warning. (laughs) Seriously. Because literally both the Taryn Fisher book and this one gave no warnings. I get no context. Then I'm just stuck in a cult book. Yeah, whenever uh, we're talking about like 
how like when she would talk to her mom she's like how'd you get out i was like i can't read pieces of her because it's a cult book so you're saying it's not it's that's fine but i still don't think i'm gonna read it <laughs> yeah it's not like a cult book you could watch the netflix show if you wanted but honestly i didn't like the netflix show i thought they did a terrible job on it which i feel bad saying because i i love karen slaughter but it was not a good show yeah just making her money yeah but I mean, I actually always hate reading shows based on books I've read, except uh, The Summer I Turned Pretty I really liked. But most of them I don't really like. And that's why I'm so worried about Akatar is because I just feel like it's our little world where we like read and we all know like the pureness of it. And like now that's going on Netflix like or Hulu, whatever it's called, they people who are not readers are going to be like, oh, I'm part of this world, too. And they're not like it's yeah. readers. <laughs> get out they're, they're not part of the world and people are already mad like the casting hasn't come out and people are already saying there is no actor who can play Reeson the way we all pictured him because like everyone kind of has their own vision of him and there's no one who could play him that's kind of how it was with discovery of witches like I love I love Matthew Good who plays Matthew but like mm-hmm. the way Matthew's described in that book is like he's this this giant handsome glowing vampire and there's just like never a person who can play that character like um, these are supernatural Robert beings. Pattinson hello the best vampire of all time <laughs> like in, writers write that they're like mythical beings it's so hard to be like oh no like yeah. they're real this is them so I actually don't know if I'm gonna watch Avatar on Hulu um I think you will I um, didn't finish Discovery of Witches all the way through. I only watched the first two seasons. I didn't watch the third, and I don't think I plan on it. I wanted to watch it, but you have to, like, pay more money. Like, I already have Amazon Prime, but now you have to get Prime Plus to watch it. It's, like, a separate one. I, I just did it for a month. I did the spinoff, and then I binged it, and then I canceled it. <laughs> but then I was too lazy to watch the third one. I just, I have it in my head. I don't I don't want to be disrupted. Yeah. So we shall cast. see. They never cast books right, generally. I do think Diana, they cast Diana really well in that book. Hmm. But that was a little easier because they're a little older. They're like, like, Feyre's like, is literally like a 20-year-old in that book. And then Rysanne's like 300 and Mm -hmm. also describes a little older. I don't know. And I don't know know how they're going to cast Tamlin to make him attractive, but still creepy. I don't know. I still question my sanity that we were all like, yeah, Tamlin. <laughs> uh, although it is funny. So I've been posting a lot of Akatar TikToks because those are the only things that get views on TikTok, I've learned. Um, and a lot of people have commented that they shipped Feyre and Lucian. And I don't know if you remember, but like I thought those two had a lot of chemistry. And then by the end, I was shipping Lucian and Elaine. But in like in the when she first gets to the spring court Tamlin is like wants nothing to do with her doesn't talk to her and so her and Lucian hang out a lot and I always thought they had a lot of chemistry I always try to mention like being really good friends yeah like good friend banter I don't know I've never like I feel like I read some romances where like they get off on making fun of each other and like that's just never been me <laughs> yeah Honestly, that's kind of high school. I feel like when you're insecure in middle school, high school, and you're like teasing the boy you like, 
that's just a sign of immaturity almost some people are really about it like some, I think guys just like like being told no but I don't know I just thought me like I don't think I can like joke that way and be like mean because then I'm all worried if people take I'm serious so yeah maybe for the overthinkers uh you can't do that <laughs> um is that the bully to romance trope no it's not even that it's I think like I'm reading I started a hockey romance because I wanted something happy um and I was gonna read that other love light farms but it was too hard being the third book of the series and I was uh-huh. like I'm just gonna read my I was in the middle of the deal series by L. Kennedy and I'm like, I read two books of it. I have all five. I need to read the third. So I started the third book really good. But they're like bantering and making fun of each other. And like, I think it's flirting. And like, I, don't... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's a bully romance. I think like, they just are flirting. And I just realized that I don't know how to flirt if this is flirting. <laughs> so really, you are reading educational books because you're learning how to flirt. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna die alone. <laughs> oh, I, I that and that's why I don't like to read romance, honestly, because it just I I, I end every romance with like, oh, that's so cute. I'm gonna die alone. <laughs> you know, I think I'm maybe I'm learning. No, I don't know. I just need something happy. I read the the Love in the Time Stroller, which was a happy book, but like about serial killers a lot. Yeah, yeah. I read this book. Everyone kind of died um although there was a happy ending so (laughs) yeah yeah I I mean I loved this book honestly I was surprised I liked it because in the first like 50 100 pages I was like "Eh, it's not Karen's best work but by the end I mean I had no idea who the killer was going to be I had no idea who raped her well I thought Stephen Wexler raped her or Dean Wexler Stephen Dean Wexler I thought it was her I think he did as well but yeah yeah so I thought he was the father of her child I still, okay, I still think he might be. Uh, And I say that because that wasn't actually proven through DNA. They just took Nardo's word for it, that he was the father. And it didn't end with like a proclamation of, yes, through DNA testing, it was proven. Nardo was the father. And so I'm like, is she purposely leaving things open for like the next series? Because like when her dad, Clayton, called her from prison I was like, okay, she's leaving it open to keep this going if she wants. But I did think there were some loose ends. And normally there aren't loose ends in Karen Slaughter books. Yeah, I was very confused about that. Also, like, why didn't they just do a paternity test, like, years ago? (laughs) Uh, I I don't know. Like, they literally just took this guy's word that he's (laughs) impotent. I'm like, uh, you can check, you know. Like you could, yeah, like the minute the bo- like the child's born, I think you can check or at least like blood type or whatever. Yeah, I don't really know that much stuff, but yeah, I never really thought he was actually infertile, but well, yeah, I don't. Think I don't so. know. Yeah, was was confused. So we'll see when the dad called. If that was me, I I don't know what I would do. I think I would just move cross country and like go in a black hole. Yeah, I hated when he called because it said it was from Bible. I actually thought, like, did the dad somehow kill Bible and take his phone? Because that would be super tragic. I hated that. I think I would have just hung up immediately, like, freaked out, thrown my phone and, and like... I would have been shaking. Like, I don't know how she went back to, like, her family. I would have told, like, Mike and my mom immediately. Well, she's going to have to tell her mom at some point, I think, because ultimately, like, 
she's never met her father or like never known had a relationship with her father so I almost feel like everything her dad does is really just to screw with her mom in a way so I feel like at some point she's gonna have to tell her mom and the mom's gonna have to be a badass again and kill him I hope does Clay like love Andrea or is he just a psychopath no he's he's a psychopath I don't think like it'd be kind of cute if he was like a psychopath but also like deeply loved her (laughs) (laughs) um daddy issues (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i know he's awful and all but like do we want true love <laughs> could they fix their relationship <laughs> i don't i don't know no if you'd read the first book you would not he's crazy killer and manipulative and abusive yeah there's a lot of abuse in this book also know. why was she barefoot going to prom couldn't you just get her shoes on I don't know. Was it just like mommy brain? She really died pregnant and had no recollection oh. if she had sex at all. Yeah, so no. Awful. I felt really bad for Emily. And she turned out being like a really awesome person. Like the more we learned about her, she really was great. Ricky yeah. sucked. Ricky was awful. I just, I would never kill someone for a boy. <laughs> I would never. Well, just a- the fact of when she told her, like when, if my best friend, my claimed best friend came to me and was like I'm pregnant and I don't know who the father is like I was raped like I would not have handled it the way that she handled it yeah everyone handled it pretty bad um including her mom but and dad but yeah Ricky was not a real friend that's not what friends do and I, I feel like Ricky just had to know it was Nardo like my guess is Ricky knew at the party that Nardo had had sex with her and Ricky never told her is my guess yeah or she just had to narrow it down but I hated yeah her brother offered to marry him (laughs) I actually think I would have taken if I was in her position and I literally had no other options I probably would have married um her brother he was a much stronger person than I would have been like refusing that marriage proposal also just like her parents were like, just give us a name, any name. You like that Clayton boy, right? You want to name him as the father? And it's like, like she stayed true to herself and was like, I really don't know. And then she stood up to her mom when her mom was like, no, you're leaving high school. And she's like, mom, you're a hypocrite. I was like, damn, Emily would have been a badass woman if she'd gotten to grow up. Yeah, I would have married <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think it would have been great, but it would have been better being like an outcast. Yeah. Poor Emily. Surviving 101. You can't stand up for yourself or you get murdered. (laughs) I don't know that there was justice with this book. Like, yeah, Nardo died. And yeah, Wexler's in prison. And yeah, Ricky, Ricky died too, right? I think she's in prison. I think she. She made her throw up all the pills so she had to, like, suffer. That's right. That was the only... That was, like, my favorite part. And that that's, like, the only good justice of it all was when um she said, why didn't you just let me die? And Andrea goes, you didn't earn it. I was like, damn! I love that line. <laughs> when the judge handed her all the paperwork, I was like, oh, my God. I also was nervous she was going to, like, just, like, drop it on the floor and, like, Nardo was going to come out of the corner and, like, take it from her. Like, I was so nervous. 
Yeah. Um, or whenever she was following his car, I was nervous that they knew already and they were coming to get her to like mm-hmm. make her part of the cult or something. I don't know. Hold her hostage. Oh, that would have been awful. Actually, there is a Karen Slaughter book series where one of the main characters gets kidnapped and raped and almost killed. If you ever want to read yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> my thrillers will, uh, will lie here. Yeah. We have it, uh, it Girl by Ruth Ware um, next. And then we also have Summer Darling by I don't know who. Maycob. That'll be, yeah. I think that one will be more steamy. Because I read The Hunting Wives by Maycob and it was super steamy and clicky and like suburban housewives getting into trouble, doing drugs, sleeping, swinging. It was crazy. So I'm hoping my Summer Darling has a similar vibe. <laughs> Fingers crossed. we can only hope um <laughs> but yeah i guess i got this book i gave it a harsh reading last last night because i was angry that it was a cult book but i gave it a four i was just so mad i hate cult books it's not my favorite karen slaughter book but i liked it a lot more than i thought i was going to so i'd give it like 4.4 4. okay i guess we'll sign off now yeah. <laughs> i don't know what else to talk about i know we um, kind of covered it Thanks for listening. This is Kayla. And Marissa. And make sure to follow us at Book Talks Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. And follow Marissa's new blog at sidecharacterenergy.com. Have a good night.